so another year passes and another year begins. And um, in Genesis 1.14, God says this. If we can just move one forward. Is it not playing? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll read it anyway. He was, yeah. <laughs> there we go. God says, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be light, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. You know, it's God's design that we should know and mark seasons, days, and years. He's actually made it that way, that we can mark seasons, days, and years. So it's not wrong for us at this time, at New Year, to mark another year, another year of God's faithfulness. It's, it's, it's a time to look back at what has been and to look forward at what is to come. And that's how God has made us. It's quite okay that we should do that. And we live, we live in exciting times. I guess all times in Jesus are exciting, but nonetheless, we do live in exciting times. I've been a Christian now for nearly 42 years. I was saved on a school Christian union camp at Woolacoon in Devon. I went to, when I got, my first church that I went to was a Pentecostal church called Kensington Temple in London. And I received, I think, a great foundation in the faith there. I then became part of what might be described as a newer church expression at the Shaftesbury Christian Centre in Battersea, where I met my lovely wife, Teresa. Interestingly enough, we both got saved independently. We didn't know each other, but we both got saved in the same month, in the same year, um, in, in May 1976. We both got saved. And we were at Battersea for some 20 years. And then, as many of you might know, we were at Putney for 10 years. And some of you uh, may have witnessed the reunion of some old friends at our 60th, joint 60th birthday party back in November. And we caught up with various friends that go back from those Battersea days and those Putney days. And you know what? During those days, we were influenced by what might be called newer church thinking and practice, styles of worship, which live with us now. Um, interestingly enough, Fred was talking with someone who just visited us on Christmas morning and, and said, boy, we do know how to sing, don't we? That's good. Praise God. And, and, and we've been influenced, I think, by some of those styles of worship and things that, that grew up in the late 70s into the 80s. Ways of being church rather than doing church. You know, beginning to understand that we are the church. You know, this is Bethany Hall, but we are Weymouth Family Church. We meet in Bethany Hall, 
but we are the church. And, and that was something that was really quite revolutionary thinking, really. And I mean, I'm sure everybody theologically understood that, but I don't think there was that same reality to the understanding of it. And we were influenced originally in Battersea, at least, by being part of something called the Pioneer Network of Churches. And then later on, we became part of what was New Frontiers. And now, of course, part of Commission. And I was, and, and, and as a church, and many of us, I think, may well have been influenced by um, uh, an American pastor teacher called John Wimber with uh, a ministry in, in signs and wonders. Um, and later we were influenced by something called the Toronto Blessing. The only reason it was called the Toronto Blessing was because it started in Toronto, but it was actually the blessing of the Holy Spirit, but it got called the Toronto Blessing. Um, and it was a strong move of the Spirit in the 1990s. And you know, Holy Trinity Brompton, HTB, uh, was certainly influenced massively by John Wimber. Uh, and as a result, has influenced the whole church. And that's not really, hardly an exaggeration to say that HTB has influenced the whole church, not just the church in the UK, the whole church with Alpha, which has certainly influenced us. So we have this, I have this history, many of you have a similar history, and I'm really grateful for my history in Jesus. You know, those years were exciting times, fresh, vibrant worship, unexpected but encouraging moves of the Holy Spirit amongst us, things that perhaps we now take for granted. And for our young people, actually, who've grown up in it, for them perhaps it's just ordinary and maybe even boring. But compared to the state of, if you like, formal denominational religion that existed before these things started to happen, the presence of God in worship was life-changing, and it was certainly church-changing. We thought revival had come. The evangelist Smith Wigglesworth, can we just, oh, sorry, yep, okay, great. Yeah, the evangelist Smith Wigglesworth, a man with, if you like, an amazing healing ministry. Um, he's a bit of a, a very, very strange man. I mean, I, I mean, there's a story once of someone that, that, a lady that was brought up to him with a cancer in the stomach. And he punched her in the stomach. And everyone sort of was shocked. And he punched her again. And apparently the cancer just kind of dropped off. Um, not a method that is to be recommended, really, <laughs> unless unless God really lays it on you to do that. Um, I don't, you know, he was a very strange man, um, but he had an amazing ministry in the early part of the 20th century. And he prophesied the following. During the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it and will be characterized by a restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. The second move of the Holy Spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. In the duration of each of these moves, the people who are involved will say, this is a great revival. But the Lord says, no, 
Neither is this the great revival, but both are steps towards it. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the spirit. When the word and the spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nation and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed within these shores. Even the Wesleyan and Welsh revivals of former years. Amen. We look for it, Lord. The outpouring of God's spirit will flow over from the United Kingdom to mainland Europe. And from there, we'll begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth. I believe that that is where we're at at the moment. There was a move of the Holy Spirit. I certainly witnessed it in my lifetime as a Christian. The baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit were rediscovered. People did leave old denominational structures to form new churches and new churches were planted. And it's probably true that the new church phase is on the wane as denominational churches are filled with the Holy Spirit and vibrant expressions of worship in the denominational churches. These things are no longer the preserve of a few newer churches. And so, if you like, in that sense, the new churches that were being planted, that kind of move is on the wane. God is at work even in historic denominational structures. Um, if you are interested in finding out a little bit of the history of this over the last, you know, 30 or 40 years, um, then I think probably Terry's book, No Well-Worn Paths, um, is a good book to, to get um, and have a look at. Well, in, in partly, we had a little six-year-old lab. We were looking at it in, in our sort of small group, and this little lab picked up and said, No Well-Worn Pants. What's the, so, so from that point on, in, in Putney, it was called, was called No Well-Worn Pants. So if you want to get yourself a copy of No Well-Worn Pants, um, it's a good book, and it just tells you what's been going on. Another, another book I would recommend, actually, if you can, it might be something you can find on Amazon, is called Restoring the Kingdom. And it kind of details, I might have a copy at home, actually, if, uh, if I can dig it out. Um, uh, I've certainly got a, a copy of um, No Well-Worn Paths at home. Um, and I think there might even be one up in the office somewhere, actually, if anyone's interested. But, you know, you can, you can find out about this history, uh, this more recent history of, of the church. Okay, these things were not the revival that we thought they were, but they are steps towards it. Okay, if we move on then, Ginny Bergen. I think I might have read this out at a prayer meeting a few months ago. Ginny Bergen is a lady who's part of the New Frontiers Network of Churches, and she's known for her prophetic gift. And she brought the following prophecy in 2011. In yet a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and that which cannot be shaken 
will remain. I've not spoken these things to you because you do not hear. I've spoken these things to you to underline my promises at this time. I've spoken these things to you that you may write them on the depths of your heart. I've spoken these things to you so that you may know that that which cannot be shaken will be that which will remain. A shaking is coming in this nation, says the Lord. For it is time for this nation to seek the Lord. And I tell you that that which has been unprecedented is the beginning of many unprecedented things which will happen in this nation. For I tell you, great challenges will come, challenges that challenge every part of where a man puts his security. For I tell you, it is a time now for this nation to begin to seek the Lord. And I tell you, unprecedented things will happen in government. Unprecedented things will happen in the heavens over this nation. For I tell you, I'm about to move in this nation in a way that has not been seen in your day. The way that you have known church will change, says the Lord. The way that you have known church will suddenly be church in a different way. I tell you, my people, for I am for you, I am with you. But I speak to you of a shaking in this nation that is to come. The time is coming for my church to rise up. And I tell you, you will meet with people who know my name, who you never thought you would meet with. You will fellowship with those who you never thought you would fellowship with. You will sing together of my name with those who you never knew you would sing with. For I tell you, my church will arise in this nation and that which is spoken of, of spirit and word, will be meshed and melted together in the reality of church in action. We've heard that before somewhere as a church. Reality of church in action in this nation. For I tell you, I will build my church and nothing, nothing will prevail against it. And I build you, my people, and I put into your hearts, into your spirits, my word. I'm bringing you into a time of releasing, the releasing of many more young men, young women who will go out for my purposes. But I tell you, it's not a day for you that are older to retreat. It's not a day for you who feel that it's time for you to pass on the baton. There will be no baton passing in that sense, because there is still much for you to do. I have mountains for the Caleb's here that are yet to be handed out. Therefore, know and stand firm on all the promises that I am giving you in these days, and I will add to them, because there will be a shaking, and that which cannot be shaken will be that which remains. Whew. Have there been unprecedented things happening in government? They have, haven't they, really? Some pretty incredible things. And not just, of course, in this nation. When you think of the other nations and... Uh, What's been going on? You know, in France, they've got a, a president who's never been part, really, of any political party and political system. Um, same in the USA, really. Um, 
you know, and, um, you know, Spain, people leading whole areas that are, you know, under threat of being imprisoned. What, what's going on? There are unprecedented things happening in government. Have there been unprecedented signs in the heavens, weather events of flooding, storms, and globally, droughts, forest fires, earthquakes, tsunamis, volcanic eruptions? Have these things been happening? Are there, are there unprecedented things taking place in the heavens? And of course, Jesus himself tells us of various signs in the heavens before the end will come. And you can read that. I'm not going to read it, but you can find that in Matthew 24. Okay, let's read, though, something from Isaiah so that we're not just looking at modern scriptures or prophecies, but we're looking at scripture, not modern prophecies, but scripture. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you'll look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nation will come. And then at the end of the chapter, he says this. Then all your people will be righteous and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand. The smallest, a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and in its time, I will do this swiftly. Now, of course, that prophecy was indeed for Israel. But I believe that it is the heart of God for us too, and indeed the heart of God for all of his people. His heart is to take even a small group of people and make something of them for his glory, even a small group of people like us, and make something of them. And I believe the Lord would say that to us, although it was spoken to Israel, but I believe it is to us as well. And and also note, It's all in his timing. It's all in his timing. It says, I am the Lord. In its time, I will do this swiftly. Another word for swiftly, of course, is suddenly. We've been hearing lots of suddenly prophecies over the years, haven't we? Yeah? In its time, I will do it suddenly, swiftly. So it's all in his timing. Now, when God speaks through prophecy, we do two things. We pray and we make ourselves available. Here am I, Lord, send me. 
When prophecy comes, we do two things. We pray, and we continue to pray, and we make ourselves available. The one thing we don't do is nothing. Okay? What we don't do is just sit back, fold our arms, put our feet up, and say, okay, great God, get on with it. That's one thing we don't do. We pray, we make ourselves available, we engage. He chooses to include us as fellow workers, partners. Sally brought that word this morning. He chooses to engage us as fellow workers in his harvest field. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He can get on with it on his own. But he doesn't. He chooses to do it in partnership with you and with me. He gives us a spoils, a share in the spoils of conquest. And the the spoils of conquest are the souls of men and women. You know, as someone who's lived through 40 years of church life, I've seen firsthand the outworkings of Smith Wigglesworth's prophecy so far. I was one who thought this is revival, but it wasn't. It was renewal, but not revival. Its focus was largely inside the church. Churches coming alive, churches being given breath, the breath of the Holy Spirit, breathing into them. That was what we were witnessing. But it wasn't revival. It was inside the church. So what will be different when revival comes? Well, I think the difference will be the focus of revival will be outside the church. It will be a time when good news is preached to the poor and shared with the poor. When the lost are found, when people are saved, baptized and added. A time when the nation will seek the Lord. It is time for this nation to seek the Lord. You know, last last year I asked the connect groups to spend time rehearsing their Give a reason for your faith. You know, in Peter says, always be prepared to give a reason for your faith. And I suggested that we got prepared to do that, that we did get prepared to give a reason for our faith and and maybe to rehearse that in connect groups. If you haven't done it so far, please still do it. I think we need to be ready and get ourselves prepared to be able to give a reason for our faith. Paul tells Timothy, and I think this is the next slide, hopefully. Yeah, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.5, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And I believe that's true for us. The Lord says the same to us, to me and to you. Do the work of an evangelist. Prepare and train towards that task. Just as we can't all be the church leader, but we can all take a lead at times. We can't all be prophets, but we can all prophesy at times. We can't all be miracle workers, but we can all work miracles as the Holy Spirit directs us at times. So we can't all be an evangelist. The evangelist is a God-given gift to the church. We can't all be an evangelist, but we can all do the work 
of an evangelist at times. We can all be prepared to share our faith as God gives us opportunity and as as occasion can arise. We can share our faith and do the work of an evangelist. Let's no longer be content with seeing the kindness of God at work amongst us only within the church family. You know, the acts of kindness that take place, answers to prayer, provision to meet needs. You know, we do these things very well, church. Well done. We do do them well. We do care for one another. When there's a need, we gather around and we get behind people. We support people. We support one another. And God is pleased that we do that. But let's see the kindness of God working out through us into the community who don't know Jesus. Let's make that our next step. We're good at caring for one another within these four, you know, the people that are here within these four walls. But let's find ways of taking that care and that love out into the community around us, praying with and for the lost and the hurting and meeting the practical needs wherever we're able to, to those who are not part of the church. Let us in 2018 set our sights on reaching those outside of these four walls, outside of our church family, reaching out to the lost, doing the work of an evangelist. I think the next slide. Yes, you know, we are to continue to do good to those who are in, as one translation puts it, the household of faith, those who are in the family of believers. We are to do good to one another as the family of believers. But it does say, let's do good to all. Now, especially to those who are in the church, but let's do good to all. Also to those who don't yet belong to the family of believers. Let's do good to them as well. Let's do good. Let's pray and then pray some more. Let's pray for the fulfillment of scripture and prophecy. Let's pray these things as we, as we get opportunity, when we gather, connect groups, prayer meetings, wherever it might be. Let's pray out these things. Lord, let's see the nations coming to us. Lord. Let's see your light coming upon us, dispelling the darkness that is over the people. Lord, let us see the shaking that is coming and hold on to you as we are shaken. We want to hold on to God, don't we? Because if the shaking comes, we want to be those who are holding on to God when it gets, when we start getting shaken. That we would see this nation begin to seek the Lord. (laughs) Lord, let us see the great revival that will eclipse what happened in this nation through Wesley and Whitfield and in Wales through Evan Roberts. Lord, let us see this church grow to 200 in four years. Well, that's three more years to go. That was prophesied to us. That was given to us as, you know, we felt God was saying he's going to grow us to 200 in four years. That was in November 2016. Okay, so we're a year into that, just over a year into that. Keep praying for it, though. As I say, when God speaks, it's not for us then to just fold our arms, put our feet up and think, great, well done, God, we'll wait for you to do that. 
It's actually for us to engage in the prophecy. If God is saying 200, then let's be praying for 200. Let's be praying and 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 praying for all of these things. May ours be the prayer of Habakkuk, which I think is hopefully the next slide. He says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. This version says repeat them. Other versions say renew them. Repeat them. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, don't look upon the things that are bad about this, this town, this people. Just be merciful, please, Lord. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. We know all the things that God has done. Renew them, Lord. Do them in our day, in our time. May we see them in our day, in our time. May that be our prayer. Be those who are praying these things to come into being. You know, God spoke and things came into being. And he says that we're made in his image. Okay, well, you put those two things together. What's the logical consequence? That we can speak things into being in faith. Let's be those who pray for these things to come into being. Engage with God and with the lost. Find ways to engage. Find ways to engage with God. Find ways to engage with the lost. I've told you this before, but it's worth repeating. Pete Mockett, who pastors the Baptist church just down the road there, he told us that he said to his people, you've got 21 meals a week that you have. If you think breakfast, lunch and dinner, so three a day, seven days, you know, do the maths. You've got 21 meals a week. Can you make at least one of them to be with non-Christians? What a great bit of advice. What a good challenge. And if not a meal, well, at least how about a cup of coffee? Consider some of the other routes that we're already available to us to engage with God and the lost. So things like Soup Run. Shout out for Soup Run. It's in need of some support at the moment. Street Pastors, Healing on the Streets, CAP. There are various ways that we can get involved with things that are already in existence that are going to help us to engage with God and with the lost. Get behind the Alpha course that we should be holding later in the year. In that Alpha course, we're going to need teams that are going to be able to cook. We're going to need teams that are going to be able to serve food. We're going to be able to need teams to host tables of guests, uh, teams to wash up, teams to decorate the hall, and, of course, people to pray upstairs whilst the course is going on downstairs. Praying quietly, mind you. You know, We don't want them to sort of hear us praying, Lord, we're praying for these lost people. <laughs> They're going to hell. <laughs> Uh, we'll keep, keep the noise down a bit, but we can pray for them. While the course is going on, there can be a group of people up there praying for the lost and praying about the Alpha course. There's plenty to do, and there'll be plenty to do in the Alpha course. And not forgetting the greatest involvement with the Alpha course, actually, is inviting someone to go along. It's the greatest involvement. Can we get some people on it? Can we get some friends to come along? Even now, you can be praying about who to invite. Even now, not going to happen probably till April, but we, even now we can be preparing in prayer.
Pray for people to be saved, baptized and added. You know, last year we prayed for people to be joined to this church. And we prayed this time last year, more or less, for sort of five households, units to join us over the course of 2017. I can ask you, if you if you weren't part of the church in January 2017, but you now feel that this is actually somewhere where you are feeling part of, could you put your hand up? Okay, that's at least five people. Praise God. See, so God has actually answered that prayer. Thank you. It's exciting. This year, let's pray for at least 10, if not more, at least 10. And pray about all of these things. Don't let up. Give God no rest as you keep knocking on the door of heaven. Don't give God any rest in it. Keep knocking. Keep praying. Keep battering on the door of heaven. Lord, we want to see people saved, baptized and added. Saved, baptized and added. Saved, baptized and added. That's what we want to see. Keep on knocking on the door of heaven. Proclaim Jesus. Love people. Transform community. Okay. Just going to do a couple of things and then I'm going to ask Steve to just come and finish in prayer. It may be that all of us here already know the Lord Jesus. Okay? But I don't want to take that assumption. And if you want to make the start of 2018 a time when you, for the first time, publicly acknowledge Jesus as your saviour, then you can just raise your hand now and just let that be known. If you want to make a public acknowledgement as Jesus your saviour for the first time, if anyone wants to do that, put your hand up now. Okay, that was what I thought, because I'm assuming that most everybody here is already a Christian. But the second thing is, and uh, Steve's going to lead us into prayer on this one. If you want to be one who engages with the lost in 2018 in a new way under the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help you, if you feel you need, some of you may feel very confident. You may feel, actually, no, I'm quite confident at reaching and working with the lost. It's not a problem to me. But if you're one like me who wants to get the help of the Holy Spirit, then if you're able to, would you stand with me? Steve, would you like to just...